Welcome to the Solution Focus Schools Unlimited podcast series. My name is Dr. Linda Metcalf, and I'm the author of Counseling Towards Solutions, the first book that took the solution-focused approach into classrooms from kindergarten through 12th grade in 1995. Now it is in its third printing, revised and updated, and available at Routledge.com. Well, school is beginning again, and I was thinking today as I was recording this podcast, all of the things that I wish for each of you as school begins. Because you see, I know when things go well for you, things go well for students. So the first wish that I have for you is that you will reach out to students for answers whenever you have questions that you are uncertain of answering. I want to give you an example of something that I learned Quite a few years ago, when I was a high school counselor, I was walking by the ISS classroom one Friday morning and saw that the room was overcrowded. And I asked the teacher of ISS if I could talk to the students, and she said, oh, I'm sure they'd love that, because you see, when they're in ISS, they can't talk at all. Imagine the torture that is for adolescents. So I started talking to the students and, you know, one might think, well, you're going into the ISS classroom, kids are being sent here because they are being punished. Why not ask them why they're being punished? But that would be a problem-focused approach. So instead, I asked them, what will it take you to do over the next week so that when I come back next Friday, I see you in the hallway and not in here? And there was a lot of quiet time that passed, and students looked at each other, looked at me, and finally one brave student said, well, miss, you know it's not just us, right? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, miss, if the teachers did things differently, it would be a whole lot easier for us to do things better. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this child is full of wisdom. So I asked him, to tell me, okay, so what would the teachers be doing that would help you to not be in trouble? And he started telling me things such as, well, they'd make the classes interesting, miss. And I said, okay, other people, what else do you think? And pretty soon hands were going up and answers were coming to me like, well, they'd respect us, miss, they don't like us. Another student said, they're just in this for the money. I assured them that was probably not the case. And we kept on going. And I kept asking, what else would be different? They said things like, make the, make the projects mean something. I was surprised at that one. Other students said things like, if the teachers just realized that they would go slow and not go so fast, they, they wouldn't lose us. And then we wouldn't give up. And when we give up, we, we act out. I said, wow, this sounds like a very bright class in here. And so we kept on, and I kept asking what else that teacher would be like. And pretty soon, everyone, they had constructed a list of things that would be amazing teacher attributes. And actually, they are the amazing teacher attributes that we all aspire to be and that we were probably taught to try and accomplish in our education courses. So I was so excited with them and read them all back. And I said, wow, you guys are terrific in giving me such great ideas here. I have another question for you. And they got very quiet. And I said, what kind of students do you think a teacher might need 
So he or she could be this teacher that you're telling me that we've listed all of these things on the board. What would they, what kind of students do you think would be helpful to a teacher so they could embrace these ideas and ways of teaching you? Well, the room got really quiet then. And then gradually hands went up. And the answers were something like, well, we probably ought to be respectful. Somebody else said, well, be on time. Another person said, do the work in the class when they tell us to. Okay, what else? Oh, you know, don't mess around. Don't give them a hard time. Okay, what else? And again, we constructed together, or rather they did, over 20 answers. By this time, the green board, which is what I was writing on with chalk, that's how old the story is, was filled up. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, you guys really have, you have it down. What I'd like to do for you is take a picture of both lists. And would it be okay if I did that? And I sent it out to all of the teachers in your high school, because I really think everyone, they need to know what you need from them and what you'd be willing to do if they showed you just a little bit of that. And one student said, oh, miss, you're not going to do that. I said, oh, you have no idea. Yes, I will. Because you see, teachers truly, I do believe, want to know what would make things better for themselves in the classroom. And sometimes, though, the sad thing is they forget to ask the very people who could give them the answers. And that's why that's my first wish, that when you get stuck this fall with wondering how to approach one situation or another situation with a student, please don't think you have to do this all by yourself. In fact, going to the very people it will affect will be so helpful to you, you may be surprised. So that means if a teacher comes to you about a student and complains about a student, or a student comes to you and complains about a teacher, there's no need for you to figure out what they should do. If you do that, you rob them of solution building. So instead, sit down with them and say, you know, I'm curious, I'm interested in from you and what your teacher might begin to do to make a difference. And I might look at a teacher and say, I'm interested in, in maybe what the students might say if I interview them in your classroom that might help them to be slightly more on, on task. Or even better, bring teacher and student together in a conversation or go to a classroom and talk to the students like I did the ISS classroom. The answers that you will receive will be priceless. And because they were generated by the very people you are trying to reach, they're probably going to work. My second wish for you this year is that you will begin to look at exceptions, times when things go slightly better, whenever you feel as if you've got so many questions to answer so many things to do for students, so many things to do for teachers and parents and administrators. My goodness, you could be overwhelmed so easily. But instead of having to reinvent the wheel for every situation that a student comes in with or a teacher comes in with, don't forget your friends, the exceptions. 
Exceptions can easily help you when a student comes in in late October from an elementary classroom where a teacher says suddenly he's just not turning his work in. And you inquire of the teacher, tell me times when he has, and the teacher might say, oh, the first month he was awesome. Turn everything in. A natural question might be then, what happened? But asking what happened, that's one question. Here's the thing, it won't give you any direction. In fact, it might make you even think, well, what can I do? His parents divorced or his father moved out or his brother passed away. Who knows these awful things that have happened? Instead, ask what was going on the first month. Ask the student, what was happening in class that helped you do so well? I hear you turned your papers in. I'm fascinated by that. How did you do that? What was your teacher doing that was helping you to do that? Where were you sitting in the classroom? Who were you working with? When you did your homework at home, who helped you with that so that it made it easier for you to turn your work in? Those are the kinds of exception questions that will yield you much better direction than finding out what happened. You might have a high school student halfway through the semester who suddenly decides that he doesn't want to be in an AP class. And if you're a high school counselor, you know you can't just move him out of that class mid-semester. You just can't do that. And you find out from the student that he just wants to make sure that his GPA remains the same. It's a good GPA. He's had tough classes. He's made it through, he said, which is very good information for you that I hope you will pick up on and say, so tell me about those other classes that you did so well in that were tough and let him begin to talk to you. And if he still proclaims he cannot possibly pass this class, said, okay, let's, let's think a little bit more because you see, I can't move you out of the class, but given your GPA, I'm quite encouraged that somehow you figured out other situations. Let's figure out this one too. If your friends were in here, what would they say you might have done before that helped you pass tough classes? What did your teachers do? That's often where things come up. Like, well, I, the teachers were helpful. One young man told me recently that when his teachers would go over material, the day before a test, he would always feel less anxious and ready to take the test the next day, and he did okay. But a couple of teachers did not, and so the young man was really stuck and unsure what he could do. But the idea of someone or maybe the teacher or somebody else helping go over things the day before a test stuck. And so together, we talked about who he might ask to go over a test prior to the test. Exception hunting you will go, I hope. It will make the difference that gives you less stress. It's actually even kind of exciting to start seeing that there is hope out there. That it's not that such a problem is everywhere. In fact, there are days and times when it's not there as much. Those are the things we really look for as solution-focused school counselors, teachers, and administrators. So go exception hunting, everyone. You will find gold. The last wish is my hope is that you will try and take a deep breath at times when you feel overwhelmed and actually consider doing less. Now, how crazy is that? 
Yep, I know. Here you are with so much stuff to do, and I'm saying, just do less. But there's a reason I'm asking you to do that. Because when you work harder than everyone else, you're robbing them of feeling competent. Now, that is a quote from a dear friend of mine, Chris Iveson, who is part of the Brief Therapy Practice in London, England. When he taught my student that statement, I obviously never forgot it, wrote it down, I have it in several places, and I always try to keep that in mind when I'm getting ready to do too much, because I'm a person, obviously, who does a lot of stuff. But learning to do less and sitting on our hands and asking kids to help guide us can be so rewarding, I cannot explain it. Right now in the field of education, particularly in the United States, we have a teacher shortage and many classrooms this fall are overcrowded because we just don't have enough teachers. And I can't imagine, well, actually I can imagine overcrowded classrooms because when I was an art teacher in the late 70s, my art class was often the ISS classroom. There was no such thing as in-school detention. They just put kids who couldn't behave in other classes in art class. So it would be very common for me to have 40 plus kids in an art class. And when you've got paintbrushes and glue, I can tell you it can get to be a pretty messy situation. So when I was thinking about this podcast, I thought about the overcrowded classrooms and I talked to my friend, Linda Webb, whom I've mentioned before in many podcasts. She's the former teacher principal of Garza High School. And I was on the SF Connection with her last week, and I asked her about the overcrowded classrooms, and I loved what she said. She was kind of reading my mind, and it was so nice to hear it from her. She said, you know, we've all dealt with things before. You just sit down with the kids and say, look, this is going to be tough, guys. How are we going to work together? And I thought how simple that was. Yet I also know It takes a solution-focused mindset to be simple like that in the thinking. Others could think, oh gosh, there's not enough chairs, there's not enough books, there's not enough time. I don't have enough energy. But when you ask kids, what can we do to get through this first semester? There's lots of us in here, and there's only one of me, and I really, really want to do a good job for you. Can we talk about how we can work together so things don't get out of hand like they did earlier? I'm very interested in being the very best teacher for you. And I like seeing things like that to students, everyone, because I think we need nowadays, more than ever, to be human in the classroom. No longer should we be that stoic individual who tries only to maintain classroom control. Nope, we've got to reach out and engage kids. Engage them to where they know they're important, even if they don't think they are, particularly if they don't think they are. And nothing makes the student feel more important than being asked their opinion. Nothing will help a student follow a rule better than having her or him construct it. So as you get into schools, if you should come across a classroom or should, should your, your school have some overcrowded classrooms, do consider going in with your teacher if the teacher wants you to assist him or her and having that kind of conversation with the classes. 
and asking them, what can we do together? How can we work this out to get through? We care about each and every single one of you in here. And again, that part, everyone, that expression of caring for students, I think it's going to go a very, very, very long way to helping the disengaged students perk up a little bit, look up at an adult who's saying something kind to them, and maybe feel a little less awful about who they are. All kinds of things can be accomplished using these three wishes. So to summarize my three wishes, reach out to the students for answers as you all go back to school. Maybe there will be students who are a little anxious about school safety. Of course they are. And adults and teachers. And when that happens, instead of just reassuring them, which I'm sure many of you will, ask them what else the school could do to help them feel slightly more safe. And listen. You may be surprised at what they tell you. And number two, look for those exceptions. They're everywhere. And what's really fun about exceptions is once you start looking only for exceptions, you'll start noticing you hear less problematic talk. It's really kind of amazing. And number three, do less so that others can begin to do more. I wish you all a wonderful fall semester. May the Solution Force be with you. forget to join me at the SF Connection now being held bi-weekly during the fall 22 semester and the spring 23 semester. If you go to my website, which is also included in this podcast description, you will find a place to register as soon as you open up the website. Also coming soon are details about the fourth annual Solution Focused Schools Unlimited Conference. Last year, we had so many attendees and incredible presenters from all over the world. This year, the lineup is even better. I can't even explain it. It's so exciting. And the theme this year is one I'm very proud of. The theme is Engaging Educators Equal Exceptional Classrooms. So join me in spreading around the word that the solution-focused approach can truly transform our schools into places of safety, security, and empowerment. See you all soon on the next SF Connection. Welcome to the Solution Focus Schools Unlimited podcast series. My name is Dr. Linda Metcalf, and I'm the author of Counseling Towards Solutions, the first book published in 1995 that took the solution-focused approach into classrooms around the world. Now, in its third printing, it is available at Routledge.com.